I was telling a friend actually who lived in America at the time, she happened to be in Sydney, I said, yeah, I've been approached about this job. And she goes, um, she said, where is it in Nebraska? And she said, where's that? Like she'd been living in New York for like 10 years. And I said, it's here. And she goes, oh no, you don't want to go there. And I'm like, actually, I think I do. <laughs> From Grindstone, this is Nebraska Made, a narrative journey through the lives of Nebraska's most inspiring business leaders. We unpack the intimate details of how our guests navigated obstacles and built their companies in pursuit of the good life. I'm JT Martin, and our guest today is the founding director of the Johnny Carson Center and world-renowned storyteller, Megan Elliott. Our guest today, Megan Elliott, has a diverse path that took her all over the world before landing her in Nebraska, where she's now the founding director at the Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts. And if you're not familiar with this UNL program, well, in 2015, the university received a $20 million gift from the charity foundation of iconic talk show host, Johnny Carson, who also graduated UNL. The program aims to be the premier destination in the world for creative young pioneers who use technology to innovate and solve human scale problems, to entertain audiences, and to tell breathtaking stories that stimulate, provoke, and inspire. And Megan Elliott is the perfect person to pioneer such a program because she's been exploring courageous storytelling her whole life. I was born in Sydney at the Crown Street Women's Hospital in Paddington. I, I grew up in Australia. I didn't grow up in Sydney, actually. I grew up in the bush. We moved and, and in some places officially the outback. Um, so I moved around a lot as a child um, in small communities with um, not many resources. So I really identify with some of our students who come from really small rural communities in Nebraska. So you kind of grew up in the Nebraska of Australia. Yeah, we didn't have beef and corn, we have sheep and wheat. I think for me, you know, and I a defining moment was when I was 11 uh, in year five and we had a prac teacher come in and actually my mother was the teacher of the class and we had a prac teacher come in and she had been a Rotary Exchange student to Germany. And for whatever reason, this just caught my imagination and I decided then and there that I was going to be a Rotary Exchange student. And I'm actually now a member of Rotary 14 in Nebraska because of that life-changing moment. But I don't know whether I just wanted to get out of it, out of the country or, or what it was, but I knew that that's, that was a way I could afford to do it because Rotary, you lived with a host family, you went to school and you got a stipend. So I knew that I could afford to do that. Did you find yourself sort of different than other kids in your class? Is that sort of what made you be like, wow, I want to go see the world. I want to break the mold. Yeah, I think I was. I mean, my, my entire family will say that I'm quite different to everyone else um, and in a very loving way, loving and supportive way. Yeah, I was always endlessly curious, always teased at asking the most questions. Um, and also, I loved learning. I loved school uh, and I was involved with everything, not so much sports, but, um, but you know, with theatre and... Um, we were all in the school plays. And I think probably growing up in small communities, you did do as much as possible at school because that, that was the only resource you had, right? That and the swimming pool and a bicycle. Um, so, yeah, always. Um, and But I was always also a good girl um, in that I was a school captain. And um, I, I guess I always 
wanted to get stuff done and speak truth to power and ask questions. And that get stuff done mentality would take Megan a long way. She was the first in her family to finish college. She got her Bachelor's of Applied Science in Cultural Heritage Management from the University of Canberra in Australia. She was a Rotary Exchange student in Germany for a year in 1990, right after the Berlin Wall came down. And she did what every creative dreams of doing in college. She joined the circus. So when I was at school, at university, um, what I did was also run away and join the circus. So I joined a theatre company called Splinters, which was the first of its kind, and we did site-specific performances and we literally toured. We would bump into one town, workshop local youth for a week, do a performance, and then go to the next rural town. And we taught people acrobatics, we had fire breathers and eaters, we had dogs. It was pretty feral. It was the 90s, it was a lot of fun. Somehow I, I, somehow I talked my way out of classes to do this theatre um, uh, tour and, um, and, get and write about it and give pr presentations about it and get credit for my classes. I'm not, I think there is an amazing time in your life and I wish that it'd last longer, but where you just don't understand the word no. And you never, you're never going to hear it, you don't expect it. You, if it is said, you don't hear it. And my husband had that ability. I think I still retained some of that superpower, but when I was you know, 23, I just didn't understand the word no. So of course that was gonna happen. And of course, you know, I can remember marching into the, the um, Office of Tourism in Canberra saying, well, I need to have 2,000 invitations printed and I need to have 2,000 gallery catalogues printed and you're going to do it for me. And they did, you know, like, it's just, you know, in my secondhand clothes and my Blundstones and, you know, it was just, yeah. So that was super fun. And that, that company, Splinters, really actually was a crucible for a lot of Australia's, you know, contemporary performers now um, and innovations and, um, and it's kind of heralded as being this very important company of the time. And particularly for that community, Canberra, which is the capital of Australia, you know, streets are named after us now. Um, it was quite powerful. We were just a bunch of retrovates, but, um, but winning awards, doing important theatrical site-specific work, which really did push boundaries. So when I finished university, I, I knew about this place called the Performance Space in Sydney, which was the Centre of Research and Development for Contemporary Art. And I got a job there. And my job was, you know, photocopying and, you know, database entry or whatever, gallery management, minding. And there, you know, um, there was a group of women called VNS Matrix. And I discovered this thing called HTML and um, websites and emails. And, and so that um, Troy Innocent, Patricia Piccinini, who are kind of world famous now in that space, um, that was where I first started hearing about it. So Megan is introduced to the World Wide Web and starts experimenting with new mediums of storytelling. After working at the performance space, she became an industrial organizer at the Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance in Sydney, where she continued to hone her craft until an opportunity arose for her to start her own agency and help a whole new kind of storyteller. So I was at a very young age, like 30 or something, I was the executive director of the Australian Writers Guild. So I looked after all of Australia's writers from film, TV, theatre, radio, not book writers. But, um, and then I met this guy called Brendan Harkin, who was from the future. And he was all about the internet and mobile. And 
And it was like the perfect Venn diagram because I'd be like, okay, this is cool, this is interesting, but your content's no good because you don't understand storytelling. And so I had all of the traditional creators and makers and access to them and he had all of the access to tech and companies and innovation. So anyway, so we started Cross Media Lab and what Cross Media Lab was was a, a business which helped digital media ideas get to market. And when we started in 2004... There was no Y Combinator. There were no co-working spaces. You still called the internet to see if it was home in lots of places, right? Broadband didn't have high penetration. And so we would work with... We were funded by governments where um, they would work on helping to develop strategic verticals within the digital media industries, generally around content at that point in time. So you were trying to get television producers, for example, to understand what, you know, streaming could be or what transmedia was in terms of building out websites or having mini games or mobile experiences of their shows. None of that had been invented yet, right? It was still appointment TV. Um, Nobody had cable outside of the US. So it was really early days and it was really fun. But what it meant was that um, that Cross Media Lab helped, for example, in Malaysia um, to, for people to really, um, you know, hone stories, hone production, hone craft, and then eventually get that IP that was delivered or that was developed in partnership with Cross Media Lab onto Malaysian screens and for the first time have Malaysian soap operas or Malaysian animation that really took off. And that's really important because if you don't see yourself reflected back, how do you imagine yourself in that in that space. Like if I'm a young woman and I don't see a young woman as an astronaut, how can I imagine myself as an astronaut? And and it's a way, you know, th- those mediums of TV, games, movies are very powerful. So you need to have your own culture reflected back at you. So, Wow. So kind of like going back to when you were a young kid and you couldn't take no for an answer and you just kind of opened your own doors. Now you're sort of opening doors for other people and connecting people and just helping communities come together yeah yeah I think one of the things I think um if somebody says no then I've just asked the wrong question and people didn't say no very often Megan was making waves in Seoul Shanghai and Singapore and she starts the China Creative Industries Exchange where she's bringing creative professionals to China and bringing Chinese creative industry professionals to the world For example, they brought John Stevenson to China, the man who produced Kung Fu Panda, but had never actually even been to China. And now with the help of Megan and others, China has its own film industry that's making their own blockbuster films. And throughout all of this, Megan has acquired the Golden Rolodex, as some people call it, and she starts putting her connections to good use. So you're working with all these different international countries and cities and you're you're connecting people you're flying all over the world you're renting apartments in shanghai yeah and then nebraska comes calling no not quite uh i went back to australia and um i was kind of i was working with the university university of technology sydney developing an international leadership program with them and i got a ping through linkedin about had I heard about the Johnny Carson Centre for Emerging Media Arts? And, and it was from, a, from Corn Ferry, an international headhunting firm out of LA. And they kept asking me, like, kept pinging me, like, did I, what did I think? And I was like, oh, they just want access to my network. And so I said, yeah, okay, well, let's have a call. And then they said, 
I said, are you interested? I said, well, I don't know, send it over. And then, um, and then I read it and I said, hell yes, I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. And I did know where Nebraska was. I you was knew quite, where it was. Yeah, I did know where it was. I was telling a friend actually who lived in America at the time, she happened to be in Sydney, I said, yeah, I've been approached about this job. And she goes, um, she said, where is it, Nebraska? And she said, where's that? Like she'd been living in New York for like 10 years. And I said, it's here. And she goes, oh, no, you don't want to go there. And I'm like, actually, I think I do. <laughs> so. I think one of the things I recognised really quickly, when I, even during the interviewing process, actually, was that everybody wants whoever was going to be the founding director of the Johnny Carson Centre for Emerging Media Arts, everybody wanted that person to win. You know, everybody wants us to win because when we win, everyone else does. And it really does, um, you know, the, and when I mean we, I mean this entire undertaking is, you know, a, a village, <laughs> you know, it's not, and, and uh, you know, an incredible network of people um, and input and... Um, but everybody wants us to win because when we do, everyone else does. And I think that's a really special place to be. And then they said, okay, do you have two and a half years to build a building, design a curriculum, get it approved, hire faculty and recruit students, go. And so we did, you know, and everybody helped and everybody worked really hard and nonstop and didn't breathe. I remember um, I was in tears the first Friday of November in 2019 because we had the dance dancers in our um, building and they were performing. We had the percussion bands performing. I had the ethicists talking about, you know, the ethics of emerging media arts. I had people had curated an exhibition. Somebody had jacked in their guitar to a screen and it was just fantastic. It was like all of these different groups of people um, coming together and it, it was that, it was just saying yes and getting out of the way. I mean, they're very, very smart people, they'll figure it out. And then we opened our doors and then COVID. <laughs> and so, so like every day over summer is my first day in that building over summer because it wasn't ready before we moved in and then last year it was closed. And um, so, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So when COVID hit, you probably had to redesign this entire curriculum almost uh, everybody did for. yeah everything had to be reinvented and it might have actually sped up sort of the need for this emerging media arts just since we're living in such a digital world now it's almost more important than ever now that these interdisciplinary studies are being yeah. taught you know this is a chirological moment in time like this is a pivotal moment in time um Preda Bansal who's on our advisory board who's a, a boomerang to Nebraska if you will she you know she worked for President Obama and she's back and um, she talks about it at a moment in between civilizational stories and that's what we're going through right now and um, I think that never before have storytellers been so important to the world and and the centrality of the emerging media artists for this moment in time because as we look at, as we have transitioned to full digital, as if you are in Hollywood right now or anywhere in the world, the metaverse is the only thing people are talking about and that that's coming down the pipe really quickly. Um, how do we make sense of all of this? I mean, when deep fakes are now intelligent, when there is no universally agreed ethics about machine learning or artificial intelligence, when pieces of algorithms are deciding if you get a bank loan or a security clearance, 
Um, it's the artists that are working with the very fabric of this stuff whom we need to help us make sense of it. Yeah, and I've heard about you talking about the importance of, you know, making sure that we don't bake our bias into these algorithms oh, yeah. that are coming out. I think when sometimes when people think about emerging arts, they think of, you know, people sitting in a in a warehouse playing with VR headsets or something like that. And they probably don't understand just the importance of, you know, inventing the future that we want, like you kind yeah. of speak about as well. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're the ones that get to design the future. Wow. You know, so if we don't like what we're seeing, we better start designing something else. Yeah. You know, the Carson Centre as a project really is um, built on the backs and with the hearts and minds of hundreds of people, like many, many, many people. Um, and, but, and I remember the day we opened the doors, you know, we were still off-gassing. I think we were higher for the first three days that of school, you know, when we, when, like literally. Um but I can remember opening the doors and all going in there and every, and tearing up, you know, because it was like, oh, my goodness, Megan, you're in now. Like, you know, this is a commitment. You know, people have moved here for this program. Students have moved here. Faculty, I've recruited five faculty from all across the country that have moved here. Three during COVID who moved here without even having been to Lincoln. There was no campus visit. It was all via Zoom. They moved their families here. Like... You're committed. You know, I take this very seriously, with fun and joy, but it is a very serious undertaking because not only is it a huge investment of time and talent and money from the state of Nebraska, the University of Nebraska, and critically, the Johnny Carson Foundation, we're also talking about students' futures, you know? And so it's, it's really, it's, it's Johnny's legacy and he was all about, um, impact of, on students and it's about their futures and and because it's about their futures it's also about Lincoln and Nebraska's future because we can't we, while I want many of our students to go off and be absolute rock stars in you know New York London Beijing I also want students to be able to build businesses here in Nebraska and be it straight out of school or be it in a very Chinese way where in China we talk about sea turtles so you send people out but then they come home to lay their eggs. So, you know, so I do want our students also to feel a bit sea turtle-like, but, um, but I am excited about that. I'm excited to, you know, to see our students have work in festivals, be in galleries, to start their own companies, to get a job with Huddle, to get a job with you. You know, I'm, I'm excited for that, to see what they're going to do. Um, and I'm also excited to see what our faculty are doing with their creative research. Um, you know, they're very ambitious um, and we're seeing that already. Uh, um, so that's that's exciting. Mm -hmm. yeah. To start seeing the fruits of the labor. Exactly, exactly. And, and to see where people, I mean, they are co-creating it. So to see where they'll take it and, and it is always emerging. So, you know, what happens next? What is it about Nebraska that you think has you know made the Johnny Carson Center into existence yeah. and what do you think about the community maybe the agrarian community or what do you think it is about Nebraska that's going to help it yeah. grow um 
I think that, you know, we are both place and placelessness in terms of innovation, like where we're having a big impact because it is a state of just two million people here. We're having a big impact here in Nebraska. But what the hyper-connected world means is that we can be engaged with the coast internationally. It doesn't, and pay Nebraska prices in rent. It's less saturated here. Um, everybody wants you to succeed. Um, we've said before, there's more blue sky. A, a really wonderful anecdote is Nancy and Charlie Friedman, you know, who have fiendish plots here, who asked themselves years ago, do we want to be New Yorkers or do we want to be artists? Because we can't be both. Well, you can be an artist in Nebraska. You can be an entrepreneur. You can experiment. You can figure out how to do something with number eight wire. And I think that's exciting. You know, we are scrappy. We are a state of makers. In the coming years, the Carson Center aims to have 160 majors as they welcome what they call the wizards, pirates, and magicians of the world. The people who want to change the digital fabric of our society. I'm JT Martin, and this has been a Grindstone production. Grindstone is one of the premier production and marketing firms here in Lincoln, offering everything you need to grow your business, from video and podcast production to social media management and media buying. You can learn more by visiting grindstoneagency.com. We refer to that as the, the Nebraska boomerang. When people leave and come oh, back, okay. I've never heard of sea turtle, sea but turtles. I love it. Well, that's funny that you say boomerang. I should know that because that's oh. Australian, right? <laughs>